<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to another weekend bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. I'm Brian McCullough. So remember the whole superhuman kerfluffle over the last week or so? Mike Davidson wrote a blog post calling out some shady stuff that he saw in Superhuman's email product. All of Silicon Valley debated it. Superhuman subsequently walked things back a bit. And actually, I didn't mention this on the show, but Mike had a second post about this, which was even more in-depth and eloquent than the first one. Link in the show notes. I reached out to Mike to talk about this whole thing, not because I wanted to relitigate it, but because I wanted to poke at it in the way that I wanted to poke at it last week. What does this whole debate say about the discourse in tech at the moment? Mike was, true to his original posts, thoughtful, eloquent, and really interesting about this whole thing. Please enjoy. Let's start with this. Had you ever had anything that you had written online uh, sort of go viral like that or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I used to write a lot more on Mike Industries over the last, let's say, 10 years or so. I've just been writing less and less. And, you know, I kind of, you know, I blame myself a little bit for that, just kind of being lazy. And I also blame Twitter a little bit because, you know, every time you have a a thought that you want to get out there in the world, you can, you know, you can spend a proper three or four hours writing an argument about it and, you know, writing an article about it. Or you can just spend 10 seconds writing a tweet about it and move on. And it's kind of like a, you know, it's kind of like a, a pressure release valve for your thoughts. Well, and actually, you know what? Maybe this is this is important too. Is to to do the yeah. timeline. Like you actually didn't you tweet about it first? I did. Yes. I mean, I, I so this this issue actually goes back quite a ways. Uh, I I I believe I did onboarding. or I almost got through onboarding um, on Superhuman, maybe in January or something like that. And I stopped halfway through onboarding when I found out about this privacy issue. And I found out that you couldn't even turn off images in, in, in the client. So I was like, you know what, guys, I don't want to be part of this. Um, and then did you actually I, did you actually specifically express that to them? I did. Yes. Yeah. To 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 the agent that was helping me through the, you know, white glove onboarding um, or whatever it's called. But um, it, it, I did express that. Uh, and then I tweeted about it with a screenshot of Superhuman's uh, kind of sales pitch for read receipts. And, and the tweet said something like, you know, this is why you should turn off images in your email client. And the, you know, the CEO responded not to me, but to somebody else who responded to my tweet. Um, and the CEO basically said something like, well, you know, we should probably require people to allow themselves to be tracked if they want to track others. Um, And if they want to turn that setting off, um, they should also turn it off for themselves. And when he said that, I immediately recognized, oh, that's the rule that LinkedIn uses. And if Mm. you think about link, if you think about LinkedIn, they have that one feature of the service where you can see who has looked at your profile, right? Right. right. But but which which famously, famously, even Facebook has never allowed you to do. 
Exactly. They, they, it's a really good point. Um, Facebook hasn't allowed you to do that. LinkedIn does allow you to do that. So you can say, oh, you know, 10 recruiters looked at my profile and like this CEO looked at it. It's, it's kind of useful. Like it's cool. But if you want that functionality, you have to also make yourself visible when you look at somebody else's profile. So you will show up. So like, you know, I have product design complaints about LinkedIn, but like that is actually a, a pretty well considered uh, rule that they have. And so you know, Raul used to work at LinkedIn and he probably saw the analogy of like, oh, LinkedIn does it this way. We should do it this way, too. But, you know, as you and I both know, the, the reason that doesn't work with read receipts is there is no way for the person on the other end to opt out globally. And that's the problem. All right. So uh, you, you said you almost didn't even publish this uh, as, as a blog post. Yeah. So I, I you know, I had a, a few spare hours over the weekend and I just kind of sat down on the couch and started writing and you know before I knew it I had I had 4,000 words sitting there in WordPress and uh you know I read it over a few times and was like you know I felt pretty good about it but then I, I, I thought to myself like is this is this fair am I being fair am I making an even-handed argument is this important um have enough other people written about this already you know so I sent it to three people that I, that I trust. And I was like, Hey, should I publish this? Like, is this, you, you get anything out of this? And all three of them were like, you need to publish this. So, you know, whatever it was Monday morning or Tuesday morning, I just hit the publish button and bingo, bango. It kind of just like flew around the internet. Well, and, and walk me through the reaction to that. Like, um, what came first, the people being like exactly, or the people being angry about it? Uh, wait, what's the difference between those two people? <laughs> right, right, right. The, 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 the people, I'm saying the people being like, right, okay. So the people being like, yeah, I'm pissed about this too. Or the people being like, hey, how dare you criticize this um, startup? Oh, oh, by far the former came first. I mean, it was it was a barrage of, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe companies are doing this. I can't believe nobody knows about this. Like that was, you know, for I think for the first few hours, that's kind of all it was. Um, and then, you know, when it got around to sort of like, you know, the ad tech people and the, the kind of venture capital people, and, you know, people that, that sort of know about this, you know, this world of data targeting, um, that's when you got some of the defense uh, kind of coming in. So, you know, if you do like a, a, a search on Twitter, even right now for that article, and you look at the kind of ratio of like, this is terrible versus like, this is okay. You know, it's massively, massively weighted towards like, this is terrible. Okay, um, so uh, you know what, yeah. that's kind of what that's kind of why we're talking because I kind of want to poke at that. Yeah. But but let, let's 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 put a pin in that for now. Sure. Um, because and and put a pin in that by by keeping in mind that what interests me about that is maybe this idea that there's a certain way of doing business in Silicon Valley that is over and people haven't made their peace with that yet. But okay, what is your personal take on why it hit a nerve? I think it hit a nerve because it's a technology that people deep in the know have known about for a long time, like not a year, not five years, probably more like 10 years, and have been using in increasingly invasive ways over the last 10 years. And so for those people, this is like nothing. This is like seeing the sun come out every day, right? It's not, it's not surprising. And I think what those people forget is that the world is not nearly as educated about the way 
you know, ad targeting on the internet works as they are. And so, you know, when you see these, these, you know, and it's funny, it's not just like a people in tech versus people that aren't in tech. That part was obvious to me from the start, right? Like there are some people in tech who know how this works. Um, and basically nobody who is, who is, who isn't in tech knows how this works. That was obvious to me from the start. Um, but what, what became very clear in this debate is that a lot of people in tech, we're talking engineers, CEOs, designers, PMs, like had no idea that just opening an email could reveal and was in fact revealing your location to somebody else unbeknownst to you. So, you know, it was the, the fascinating thing to me is like, this is a, this is a technology that has been like out in the open forever and has been openly abused by the people who know how to use it best, um, really behind the back of most of the world. Right. So to what degree do you think that this was people being like, oh, we thought email was somehow like kind of purer than the social media panopticon and and like having the scales fall from their eyes? Well, you know, pure, pure, I don't know that I would call it pure. I would just say like people think of email as a kind of a one to one right. thing, right? right? So like if you get an email from your grandmother, the communication is between your grandmother and you. If you get an email from your boss, the email is between your boss and you. Pretty much everything you do on Facebook, you know, is between you and Facebook and whoever they want to license your data to, right? So, like, I think it's the person, it's the personalness um, of, of email that sort of like su it surprises people that there's this kind of like man in the middle who's doing untoward things with, uh, you know, with your data. And you know, I, I I just got finished with an episode today uh, talking about like the whole Zoom thing. I don't know if you've been following that. Yep. So yep. it was fascinating to me that that happened right after this, because the reaction was not the same. You know what I mean? Like in in a sense, it's not it's not apples to apples. But Zoom was doing something sort of shady in the background. They got caught, but people didn't have the same jump to the defense of Zoom reaction as they did to Superhuman. Well, I think there's a couple reasons for that. Like, number one, you know, when I first read about the Zoom thing, I was like, oh, you know, honest bug, right? Like, bugs happen. Like, I, I don't, you know, I don't expect everybody to write perfect code. And, you know, my first reaction was like, oh, that's a really bad bug. Mm -hmm. um, but then the more you read about it, you're like, oh, they installed a web server on your machine just so you wouldn't click. I have to, like, make an extra click that's actually a security feature that Apple put in. Like, that's bad. Um, so, so I think you have to read a little bit about the issue to even know that it was sort of, um, you know, a, a highly negligent thing. But the, 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 the thing on top of that though, is I think that your next thought is, have I ever been burned by this? And the answer is no mm. for the, for the zoom bug, right? It's like, have I, has my camera, have I ever been using my computer and been auto joined into a meeting full of strangers? Like, no, I haven't like it 99.9, .9, possibly even a hundred percent of people in the world weren't affected by that bug. But if you think about email and you think, oh my God, any email that I receive from Superhuman or frankly, any of these other services like Mixmax and HubSpot and whatever else, like any email I've gotten for over the last, you know, however long, year, two years, five years could have been location tracked. Then you actually don't know how many times you were exposed. Uh, playing devil's advocate a little bit. Um, yeah. Some people's, reaction was knee-jerk like this guy is just targeting a startup because they're successful like what would your take be like if you had if you had posted this before superhuman raised that round and sort of 
super got in everyone's radar. Although they were on people's radar before, but like, do you think that it would have hit a nerve prior to that, or was it like, okay, these guys are on everyone's radar, and so that kind of helped it, kind of gain steam? No, I think it would. I think it would have hit a nerve before the funding. I don't think the funding had mm. anything to do with. Mm. I don't think the funding had anything to do with it. I think the article had something to do with it. I think actually sitting down and reading what this technology does and how it was purposefully put into this app that claims to be a, you know, bastion of great design. Like that's what really, that's what, that's, that's what hit a nerve with people. It wasn't really the timing of it. Um, I do, you know, I do take that criticism seriously, however, like I, the only, and I just want people to know, I mean, the reason why this is, this became important to me in the first place is like, I'm a designer, like design is my beat. And when a when an app or a company comes to town and 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 pitches themselves as like you know purveyors of amazing design you know i i i want to look at it and i want to judge for myself whether that's true or not it's kind of like you know imagine if you had a a you know a, a dry cleaner come to town and the dry cleaner said hey we're eco we're we are the most eco-friendly dry cleaner in the world um and we want to dry you dry clean your clothes in the most eco-friendly way possible. And then you you know you're like, okay, that sounds great. And then you drive by one day, and there's like black smoke, you know, coming from the top of the building. And you're like, wait a second, what's going on inside this dry cleaner? And then you find out, like, lo and behold, oh, they use formaldehyde, and they use like all these other chemicals. So, like, yes, all of the companies that do this sort of thing deserve the sort of criticism that Superhuman is getting in that article. But Superhuman is the one putting themselves out there as this company that really cares about great design. And so I just felt like I had to call bullshit on that. Today's episode is sponsored by Wix. 140 million people use Wix to create their websites. As I said last time, you might think, Brian, I'm a super sophisticated designer or developer. Okay, but Wix is still for you. With Wix, you can build sites with artificial intelligence. You can add voice recognition capabilities and chatbots. And with Wix, you get actionable analytics to solve those annoying IT issues that spring up that you don't want to even deal with. If you're a business, Wix is double for you because you get an all-in-one solution to create an online presence. Complete e-commerce solutions, chatbots to communicate in real time with customers, built-in tools to manage business workflow. And if you're someone that's never created a website before, Wix is triple for you. No HTML or CSS is even necessary to create dynamic web pages. Set up databases and content-rich sites without coding. Create forms, review sections, quizzes, and more. Not a single drop of coding knowledge required. Wix is the most technologically advanced website building platform available. Get started now by going to Wix.com, that's W-I-X.com, slash podcast to get 10% off. Get started today with 10% off at Wix.com slash podcast. We all have that friend who's the first one to try things, whether they're just super trendy or more of a guinea pig. When you're making a choice, it's always nice to hear it from someone who's been there, done that. Choosing the right software for your business is no different. You can read thousands of real software reviews to help you choose the right software for your business on capterra.com slash ride. Capterra is the leading free online resource to help you find the best software solutions for your business. According to a recent survey by Storyblock, 48% of decision makers regularly feel ashamed of the content on their websites and apps. You heard that right, ashamed. 
Storyblock, a content management system, is here to help. Storyblock makes it easier for marketers to create and edit content without handholding from developers, which means marketers can make killer content without waiting for developers to make changes. And developers have more time to build cool stuff instead of processing an endless backlog of content tickets. The end result is better content in less time. Fresh off a massive round of Series C funding, Storyblock is launching a revolutionary new feature to help your team level up their content. The Ideation Room. The Ideation Room provides teams with a central space within Storyblock where they can develop new ideas together. From the very start of the content creation process, these ideas are refined and brought to life with the help of AI. Curious? Let your creativity run wild and try Storyblock for free today at get.storyblock.com slash ride home. That's get.storyblock.com slash ride home. Miro is a visual collaboration platform that gives your team more clarity through comprehensive functionalities that work together with your existing tool sets to make any sprint ritual whether it be a stand-up estimation, sprint planning, or retrospective, more efficient, clear, and ultimately more productive. When I did the AI resume project, I wanted it done fast and dirty. I used a remote team, and so I used Miro to keep everything on track. Miro helps ensure your team has the context they need before devoting time and resources to get the work done. With Miro, planning team tasks is smoother and gives everyone a clear sense of mission for every sprint. Plan sprints with ease using Miro's planner widget. Connect your team's Jira or Azure instance to your Miro board to visualize and filter tasks by sprint week, status, epic, and team. Normally, mapping dependencies just links one ticket to another, but Miro has visual representations on which tasks are dependent on others. Filter by a critical level, team, and more. Streamline your estimation ritual and quickly check if your team is over or under capacity to help them be more realistic and grounded on the team's capabilities, size, etc. Whether you work in product design, engineering, UX, agile, or marketing, bring your team together on Miro. Your first three Miro boards are free when you sign up today at Miro.com. That's three free boards at Miro.com. Yeah, so I I think I mentioned to you before we spoke that like we sort of hit on the same analogy. Like the, the point that I made when I was talking about this last week, I also use the the think different thing. Do you go all the way back to Starwave? Is that why you know Mike Slade? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, okay. I, I actually I actually joined uh I actually joined that company right after they stopped being Starwave. So they were they were you know the Walt Disney Internet Group, or or I think that was the name of it when I joined. But yeah, same same company. Okay, so the the point that I tried to make was, um, I felt like some of the reaction was like, wait, we can't do creepy surveillance stuff as a business model anymore, and people were pissed <laughs> about that. And it's yeah. like the point I tried to make was, no, you can't because Facebook and Google have made their mistakes. Now, they can still do it because they've got these platforms that people can't quit. But if you're a startup that you have to prove yourself to people, you can't. And and you have to know that. And like that was that's the biggest mistake. If you can't know that you can't get away with that as a nobody startup. Um, that you don't have the juice to do that. And also, that's aside from the, the morality issue of, of doing that sort of thing. Like, that's the sort of thing that I was like, yeah, think different. Like, you can't – the old business models might not work anymore. Right. And I totally agree with everything that you just said. And on top of that, I would say, even if you can, why would you want to? You know, like, you have this opportunity right. to, be, to be a privacy-focused email client 
that does all of these amazing things that people seem to love. Like I still haven't used Superhuman and I never will. Don't want to. But, you know, from the demos I've watched, like it, it does a, a lot of really cool stuff. Like people enjoy being able to do things like, you know, automatic. They have this you know automatic intro thing where like with a couple of keystrokes, you can set up a standard mutual intro between two people. Like that's really cool. Like if you if you want to be known um, as an email client that is doing things different, that is thinking different why would you automatically go towards the worst practices that have sprung up? Well, and um, and that's the point I was trying to make is it's lazy. It is again. Okay. The last generation of startups, they, they get scale, they have a billion users and then they're like, well, how do we make money? We strip mine people's data. Well, so in the new generation, the way to differentiate is to, you don't, you don't, win the new war by fighting the last war is the stupid analogy but like there is an opportunity here for startups to be the new sort of startup the new sort of philosophy like remember when google was thought of as like genuinely don't be evil like the alternative to microsoft like yeah yeah i don't know why people don't see that that is a just a blaring neon sign that's like here's a way to differentiate you know yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I think they will for sure, and and I don't know if it's going to be Superhuman that does it. I, I mean, I hope it is. Like, I don't have anything against those guys. I don't, you know, I don't care if Superhuman becomes a zero dollar company or a hundred billion dollar company. Like, literally, doesn't matter to me. But you know, I, I would like to if they win. I would like to see them win on a good ethical playbook. And you know, I looked at the um, their privacy policy, their new privacy policy. I guess the Wall Street Journal just picked this up um, yesterday. In fact. They they've just changed their privacy policy and they've now explicitly they've they've now explicitly included in their privacy policy an ability to um, to sell data to data brokers and you know I, it reminds me of my, my favorite quote from Anil Dash which is um, if you use the word optics and you're not making telescopes or glasses you're probably <laughs> doing something awful mm-hmm. and. I kind of feel the same way about the term data brokers. Like I'm sure there are like, you know, some reasonable data brokers out there, but when I hear that a company is interesting, interested in either buying or selling data from data brokers, my mind immediately goes to bad places, especially if it is a company that wants full access to my corporate email account. Um, what, what is your take on uh, superhuman's response? I, I don't know if they've, I'm not trying to out anything or whatever, but like, yeah. did they reach out directly? But or not even that, like their public response and how they have dealt with, with this whole brouhaha. Yeah, I think they, um, I mean, they haven't reached out directly to me. Um, some people associated with them have, and I've had some private conversations with them. Um, and that's fine. Like, you don't need to apologize to me. Like, I don't, you know, I haven't been harmed. No, and like, I wasn't even suggesting a... that. I was yeah, just yeah. like, no, but, sure. but, but your takeaway from their response in the sense of what we've just been talking about, like this new way yeah. of like, oh, the rules have changed. The game has changed. We got to evolve right. along with it. What do you think that, uh, of, of their response to this? Yeah, I, I think their response, like on a, if, you're, if, I'm, if I was going to grade their response A to F, I would grade it, uh, you know, I, I don't know, C minus, you know, like it was. I think they closed the the most dangerous hole, which is which is showing your location. So bravo. I mean, if you read my follow up article, I give them points for all the things that they did. But I still don't think they have internalized the idea that surreptitiously collecting data on people in a way that frightens them and reporting it back to others um, is a bad thing. And so I I'm very, I guess, disappointed that they didn't take the opportunity to say, oh, you know what? We didn't think about this. 
we're turning off read receipts. We want to be the email client that cares about your privacy. I mean, it would have been so easy to, and I, you know, even to, even today, even after the second article, it would be so easy for them to say, you know what, we want to be the email client that 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 cares about and respects your privacy, and therefore we are not only turning off read receipts, removing them from our product, but we are protecting you from other such read receipts. I wrote the copy for them, even. Uh, so anyway, it's something they have to decide if they want to do on their own. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I give them a C. Uh, you wrote, I think somewhat eloquently about this in your second post about how you're sort of privileged enough to deliver this message, to allow people to take what you said seriously. Um, like how much, to what degree was your post taken seriously? Because you are who you are. Uh, you, you've, you've been a successful founder with a successful exits and things like that. And so how much of the blowback was maybe about there's like this mindset that it's like fight club. You can't speak ill of other startups once you're in the club. Do you know what I mean? I do. Um, so like uh, that's kind of a two-part question that I didn't even frame. But like to what degree are you privileged to deliver that and other people wouldn't have been able to deliver that? And to what degree is the pushback like how dare you speak ill of another startup? Because you 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 were successful, so you should be on board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's a I think it's a good question. I think the the soapbox that I have is a very privileged one for sure. Um, I don't need to worry about um, you know my boss firing me from my job. He and I have a great relationship. I don't need to worry about my reputation in the industry. I've built up a reputation you know, over my entire career that I'm proud of. Um, I don't need to worry about being blackballed. I've got plenty of great relationships with investors and whoever else I may, may, may want to work with, um, many of whom who have DM'd me, in fact, over the last week or two. Um, so I don't have to worry. I don't have a lot to lose, I guess, um, which is a big, you know, which is which is which is a big advantage. Um, however, uh, you know, I, there was a part of me that, you know, that first night after I wrote the article and it kind of blew up, there was a, a part of me like when I went to sleep that night. I did kind of think to myself, like, what's going to happen to me tomorrow? Like, what's the, are, is somebody going to like stage a big PR campaign against me tomorrow or something? Do I have to worry about that? And like, it didn't happen, you know? Um, so it ended up being, you know, a concern that, that, that didn't come to fruition. But like, you know, I, I don't think most people are, are, are in a situ are in a situation where they can do that. I think people have to worry about, I think most people, you know, worry about, Hey, what, am I ever going to be, be able to raise money again? Am I ever going to be able to work in tech again? You know, so you've got to be careful. So, you know, I I fully recognize the 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 rarity of, of that situation, but I also feel like it's my responsibility to use my privilege to speak out against issues like this for people who don't necessarily feel safe enough to do that. Now, to the second to your second question, um, which revolved around like how much of the backlash is related to to this, I would yeah. say not. I, I, not much, really. I think most. I think almost all of the backlash was essentially just people who were like, "Hey, this technology's been out in the open forever, and now you're telling us we can't use it." Like that. That was really the. That was really the majority of of of, of the backlash. And and you know, if you the, the further you dig, the more you realize how many companies trade on this sort of data. Like you know, there's the there's the major ones like. Uh, you know, HubSpot and and Yesware and you know Mixmax, but like there's probably a long tail of companies that have been accessing this data for a long time, and and this whole industry, I think, for the last you know five ten years is probably like I hope never nobody finds out how creepy this is because we're we're able to make a good amount of money on it. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, by the way, I think another another aspect of it too is you know 
how many other investments out there and how many other startups out there right. um, are using data in a way that if the New York Times reported on it tomorrow, it would make them look bad. Which is why people are DMing you and not talking to you publicly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so it's a weird thing, uh, like, because I, I spoke on the show about how, like, I bailed out of the onboarding because I was like, I don't have, I don't have a frigging hour to give you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. so I've never understood, like, all of these, you know, all my VC and founder types that have no time in their day or week. How did they find an hour? Like, I, I found it. The one thing that I've found weird about Superhuman, and I haven't used it, and, and people I trust seriously swear by it, so I'm sure it's a great product, but they have pursued this very obviously. It's sort of like a cool kids club thing. Like, one day you woke up and every VC and founder type that you knew, there was that little sent from Superhuman thing on there, and like, that's... I don't know. Like, so it, it's it's weird that it, it worked out this way because, like, that's sort of the thing. It's like, well, we get all these, we get all the cool kids on board with us. And, like, does that protect us and things like that? I don't know. It absolutely protects you. Yeah. That's exactly, that's exactly what it is. I mean, it, it's, it's having a lot of powerful people using your product. It's having, I think, 120 of the most connected angel investors putting money into your company. Like, look, if I was an angel investor in Superhuman and I wrote that post, I probably would have got, received a check for my money back the next yeah. day, right? Like, like, and maybe not even that. Maybe, maybe like, uh, you're off our cap table, screw you. Like, I, you know, but I was able to write that post because I'm not um, yeah. you know, financially involved in the company. And so, you know, if you look at all the people, well-meaning people who probably agree with me um, who are involved in the company but can't say anything, um, you know, it's probably it's probably a lot. I will say this though, I want to since you mentioned the white glove onboarding, um, and since we're talking about product design, uh, you know, that is actually you know it's, it's weird, um, but but I, I, there's actually some wisdom to that approach, and it was a, an approach that I actually pitched at Twitter at some point, believe mm. it or not. Oh you know, God, we, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh God, yeah. yeah. So imagine this. So so we have you know obviously we onboarded a ton of more people at Twitter, you know, millions a day, right? So it'd be a lot harder. But but our, one of our biggest problems at Twitter, which remains to the day, is taking somebody from not knowing how to use the product and not knowing the value of the product to having like an amazing timeline and amazing experience and knowing how to DM people and knowing how app replies work, like shortening the time from, you know, that beginning state of knowing nothing to that end state of having a perfect setup. And I remember going to my boss at the time, Adam Messenger, uh, who was the CTO, and I said, look. Wouldn't it be great if we could do like a just a whiteboarding on uh, a, sorry a white glove onboarding session with a small number of people and show them exactly how to use the product over an hour? How much would we then learn about how we should teach people about this product? So the goal was never to do that with everybody, but if you can do that as part of your user research, you might figure out kind of um, you know what are the things that are most confusing about this product and how can we how can we most easily explain them well listen Mike I've I've literally done that for people where it's like okay I'm gonna explain to you why Twitter is useful for you I know you're into baseball I know you're a little bit into yep. politics I'm gonna make a list for you of these 50 accounts to follow just follow them and get back to me in a week and you'll get it right <laughs> like yeah it's yeah. literally that simple but it's not yeah. that simple because you can't do it at scale but right um, all right, so uh, let's wrap up. Uh, is there anything? What like? What's your major learning, or if there is one, about this experience? Like, does it say something to you about startup culture at this moment? Um, I, I mean, I think this issue is going to pivot 
more more quickly than we realize. I think in the over the last few years, the things that we've started to do with data have crossed the line. And I think the companies that will be ahead of the curve are the ones that recognize that and start to protect their users against this sort of abuse of data. And again, I feel like Superhuman and every other company has the perfect opportunity to do this right now. So I think I think like that's one of my learnings is that like we are right at the the fulcrum of privacy becoming a major, major um, uh, selling point in devices, in services, uh, in companies. And so like, I think that's learning number one. Um, I think, you know, learning number two is there's this vast sort of world um, in, it's not just in Silicon Valley, but just like in the kind of growth startup space where, you know, people are too afraid to kind of say the emperor has no clothes. Uh, people are too afraid to sort of call out bad practices when they see them because they are very concerned about, you know, A, am I associated with this bad practice in some in one way or another? Have I used, have I committed this bad practice in the past? Do I have investments in companies that, that do things like this? And so, you know, a lot of people just clam up and say, okay, well, I'll just wait for other people to argue about this and see what happens. And so, you know, I think if we were honest, if we were more honest and open about what we see in the, in the world of startups and how people are making these sorts of ethical or unethical decisions, we would probably end up with a lot better products.